0: KCRW sponsors include Make It Universal and Rotten Tomatoes, presenting Scene on the Screen with Jacqueline Coley, a new podcast about the people at NBC Universal and the movies that define them. Available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
1: I'm Joe Morgenstern, the film critic of The Wall Street Journal. Finally, the Minions get to star in their own movie, and it turns out to be like one of those emails that fails to load properly and gets flagged with the phrase, This message has no content. What Minions does have is abundant cuteness, which audiences will probably accept in lieu of content. People really love these little guys. But the begoggled, capsule-shaped and banana-colored scamps who stole the show in two installments of the popular Despicable Me franchise deserved something better than this indifferently animated catch-as-catch-can venture in comedic chaos— Minion love is an intriguing phenomenon, though it's not a mysterious one. In essence, minions are mischievous sidekicks who keep getting into trouble of their own making. They speak charming gibberish that both defies and invites comprehension. Minionese also suggests fragments of chipmunk in their DNA, just as their sweet stumpiness evokes memories of R2-D2. Apart from expressive eyes behind those goggles, they have feature-free faces that allow us to project our own feelings on them. And in commercial terms, they're essentially language-free creatures who perform well in all markets, like comics of the silent screen. Everything that makes them appealing, though, makes them challenging candidates for stardom. How do you write a whole movie around a bunch of professional second bananas when they're asexual, although outwardly male, motivationally monotonous and intellectually translucent, if not opaque? The answer is by making it an origin story that tracks minions through history— in a long, amusing preface narrated by Jeffrey Rush, and that concentrates on the only goal the Minions are known to have, serving the most despicable master they can find. In this scenario, set mainly in the 1960s, it isn't their master-to-be, Gru, voiced so deliciously in the Despicable Me films by Steve Carell, but a mistress, Scarlet Overkill. She's voiced joylessly by Sandra Bullock, and billed as the world's first female supervillain, Lady Macbeth didn't make the cut, maybe because she wasn't animated. Scarlet, with the help of her husband Herb, voiced by John Hamm, has hatched a plot to become the Queen of England by stealing the crown from the Tower of London, and she incites a trio of minions, Kevin, Stewart, and cute little Bob, to do the dastardly deed. Since Herb is an inventor, you might expect a narrative that's inventive, but no. Aside from the 60s soundtrack, the best part of the production, Minions is frantically associative— A throwback to Saturday morning cartoons that leaps from one nitwit notion to the next. 1960s America, Richard Nixon, Apollo 11, Scarlet blasting off in a rocket skirt. 1960s London, Tower of London, quick cut to Sword and Stone, visual reference to Abbey Road, unaccountable appearance of sumo wrestler in thong. Could this have been spawned by the same medium that gave us Inside Out? Sure, it's just a movie that makes its stars minions in a particularly naked quest for market share. I'm Joe Morgenstern. I'll be back on KCRW next week with more reviews.
0: KCRW sponsors include Make It Universal and Rotten Tomatoes, presenting Scene on the Screen with Jacqueline Coley, a new podcast about the people at NBC Universal and the movies that define them. Available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.